again, fellow travellers, and welcome to podcast 130 in our series, You Should Have Been There, with me, Mick Webb. And me, Simon Calder. And this week, following on from podcast 129's Miracles of Travel, we concentrate on one particular miracle, perhaps the greatest of them all, the miracle of free travel. Here's a foretaste of one of our discoveries. This stop is QVB, a light for Darling Harbour and Pitt Street Mall. And what and where that was will be revealed later. But let's start with matters arising from previous podcasts. Amongst our recent transmissions have been great travel U-turns. But I must say, I think the government has beaten us hands down and put our puny efforts in the shade with its bewildering sequence of U-turns, double U-turns, probably triple ones. And um, I was thinking about a um, a good uh travel equivalent of it and I suppose it would be like standing at the top of a Pyrenean pass blindfolded being spun round by someone and sent off in a random direction with the vain hope of reaching safety and a bed for the night. Which does actually sound like uh, some of our adventures. And of course, if you were in the Pyrenees on the southern side, on the Spanish part of the Pyrenees, then, well, the joyous news is that um, uh, broke actually on Friday morning, uh, the 21st of October, was that Spain has abandoned all travel restrictions. So you do not need to show that you've been vaccinated or indeed that you've um, uh, had a test if you're unvaccinated. Anyway, we also introduced the topic of the sounds of travel and we would love to hear some from you. But in the meantime, here's something I recorded earlier in the Medina in Casablanca in response to your wish, Mick, to hear the song of the bulbul. I need to confess that I did not get absolute confirmation from the locals that that was the noise I was recording, but here goes anyway. Well, that's very evocative, but given that you didn't actually spot one of these things, and I know for a fact that they are quite noisy and raucous, although quite undistinguished looking, uh, the old bulbuls, brown on top and sort of white underneath, I think we should probably call this recording um, Moroccan Medina with birdsong rather than with bulbuls. (laughs) So the jury is still out. And uh, if anybody who is listening um, would like to send in um, a recording that they've made, which definitely is a bulbul, we would just love to have it. Uh, We certainly will. And also any other evocative sounds that you have picked up along your journey. You can get in touch with us. The easiest way is at you should have BT, and that's on Twitter, of course. And then we can organise you sending your recordings across, and we will be delighted to use them. And of course, we also want to hear at you should have BT about your travel miracles. Alison Williams tweeted to at you should have BT with this miracle. In 2010, I flew to Malaga just before the Iceland volcano erupted. Spent a lovely week touring Andalusia, then flew back, 
on time on the very day the skies reopened. Well, you did an awful lot better than me, Alison. I uh, found the <laughs> journey to uh, Norway, where I was when Eja Fjelljukul um, uh-huh, flew. Its well top. done! <laughs> I knew you couldn't resist it. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I, I found it um, very comfortable on SAS flying out there, and very uncomfortable on the cargo ship on which I was forced to return. Um, we'll judge whether or not that is a true miracle um, very shortly. But first, Ducatista got in touch with another remarkable piece of good fortune. Writing, in October 2020, I completed on my tiny flat in Bologna, and two days after I returned, presumably to the UK, there was the 14-day isolation requirement here. And in December, Italy banned us from entry for months, so I did it by the skin of my teeth. Well, thanks to um, both of you and also to Rebecca Halpern, our um, regular uh, correspondent, who got in touch with this um, miracle. In August 2020, we had a trip to Berlin scheduled that we booked before COVID. In the months leading up to it, we assumed it just wouldn't happen. But there just happened to be a travel corridor to Germany at that time, and we had an enjoyable trip with no entry requirements. Well, we promised that an ad hoc committee would be set up. Let's call it the 2022 (laughs) committee to ratify or not the entries for Travel Miracle. I can report that they have been sitting deep into the night and we're now, I think, ready to make our final uh, decisions on the deliberations. So shall we start, Mick, with Alison? There she is. She sets up a trip to southern Spain. She goes there. She has a wonderful time. 99.9% of all other travellers at the time are experiencing immense stress and she gets back. So I, I think that, um, that, that uh, passes the hurdle. What do you think? Yeah, I think so, actually. I mean, you could say it was luck, but I mean, it is quite extreme good fortune, which I think justifies it as, um, as a miracle. Ducatista um, with uh, completing on this flat. I, th- I think we probably have to judge that as as fairly miraculous, given that indeed it was at the start of a really long, bleak time. And um, clearly that completion happened just in time. Yes, I think uh, Ducatista's uh, story deserves miracle status because when you think uh, uh, what a nightmare it is to um, buy or sell um, a property uh, in any case, to try and do it while (laughs) being caught between two um, competing or overlapping um, uh, sets of COVID restrictions, I think really is um, um, a miraculous thing. And I think the fact that this happened despite the many tangles of Italian red tape in Red Bologna. It's um, proof that there, there is a travel god and this was indeed a miracle. What do you think about Rebecca? So there we are. You've got a family. Before COVID, you book a trip to Berlin and it just happens as normal. Um, an enjoyable trip with no entry requirements, she says. I'm not sure because I think from my experience of going to Germany, where I went a lot, actually, uh, because it was one place we could get into, there was quite a lot of stress and um, not being able to do things and wearing masks and and showing passes and so on. So I'm not sure. What was your view? Well, I suppose it was it was good fortune that there was a travel corridor. But I 
think that, and I'm sorry about this, Rebecca, um, that maybe this falls just a bit short of um, a, a true miracle, and I'm not sure if you can have a partial miracle. So I think the committee will um, will have to turn that down with regrets. Well, except we are always, like the best um, adjudication committees, always open to fresh evidence of <laughs> why this was miraculous. So thank you, uh, Rebecca. We are always grateful for your excellent um uh, contributions and um, uh, we, are, we are always open to new miracles as well they happen all the time you cannot uh, cannot predict them of course because they are indeed miraculous well I can report something that happened to me uh, today which I think borders what? on the miraculous um, and your mention <laughs> of new evidence um, is indeed uh, what this is all about um, uh, after my recent quite outspoken criticism of British Airways for their um, uh, cavalier attitude to my claim for um, compensation after they'd uh, ditched my return flight from Tenerife. Um, they actually got in touch this morning asking me um, to send screenshots of texts that they had sent me in order <laughs> to progress my claim, which I'd already, um, oh. which I'd already made in in some detail about four months ago. Um, so, I mean, what do you think, Simon? Is is this a good sign? Well, it's a good sign, but I think um, I'd say the fact of ask of them getting back in touch with you is indeed remarkable. But only when the money finally arrives in your bank account, I think, can we class it as a miracle. But anyway, let's get on to the main theme of today's podcast, which is free travel. And I think, Simon, it's fair to say you've been specialising in this for some years. <laughs> and uh, this might explain why my wallet it always seems unexpectedly <laughs> light after one of our trips away together. But I'm joking, of course. Well, um, look, uh, of course, we have spent quite a lot of time hitching uh, it separately and sometimes together. And that is a fairly pure form of um, uh, free travel, but of course it's not the same as free public transport. Um, and yes, there are loads of places around the world where you get really good value public transport, but I prefer no cost to <laughs> low cost travel. And the place I'm going to nominate as best in the world is Luxembourg, where they made all public transport free. And I've been following this story for some years and it came about because Luxembourg, um, which previously in the days of the Grand Duchy earlier on in the uh, 20th century, was quite a poor kind of backwater um, squeezed in between France, Belgium and uh, Germany. Now, they've done really well out of EU membership to the extent that they can have an incredibly good transport system, trams, trusses, tra trams, <laughs> trains and buses, trusses, oh no. Oh dear, oh dear. Uh, uh, yeah, we'll see if, a, yeah, see if that makes the edit. Um, uh, well, I think it's going to. That is um, your um, Freudian <laughs> or political slip par excellence. Um, yes. Anyway, so so really good system. Cost a billion euros a, a, a year to run. And because they had really low fares, they were only getting in 40 million euros in fares. And that barely covered the cost of actually collecting and processing the fares. So um, three years ago, and um, with a green, very green strong partner in the green coalition they decided well we've got 
uh, even with a really good public transport system, commuters are still four out of five of them driving. We might be able to shift them if we made it easier to travel and completely free. Um, and they just thought, well, we're, we're pouring 960 million euros in. Uh, what's what's a few more going to make? And um, it works brilliantly. So you can explore anywhere you want to. Very dense network of buses and trains in a very beautiful country. Um, so you can go from Trois-Vierges, which is up in the north, getting towards Belgium, to Schengen in the far southeast. And of course, you'll perhaps have heard of Schengen because it's the small wine village overlooking the Moselle, which gives its name to the Schengen area. And it was chosen um, back in, I think, 1990 by the, the European community, as it was then, um, to signify European Union. And that's because you just walk across the bridge, turn left and you're in Germany, turn right and you are in France. Anyway, to go anywhere, you don't need any kind of travel card, any kind of ticket. And you can even go on the very impressive funicular in Luxembourg City. Uh, you can, Mick, um, if you, uh, if for you, uh, as with uh, Jean-Paul Sartre, uh, Helly's other people, you can pay an extra three euros for the privilege of going first class on trains. Well, thank you very much. But what I want to know, and I'm very impressed actually to hear about the free public transport, but uh, what about the cost of everything else if one wanted to uh, spend a few days or a proper holiday in, in Luxembourg? And um, I asked this particularly because I thought I'd be able to look it up quite easily on the uh, on the internet, and um, it was a little difficult to decide whether or not um, it was a very expensive place uh, to go. Um, I suppose you know in European terms, or whether, on the contrary, it was quite cheap. Yes, it all depends. Both of, of them are correct in this, um, uh, I think we must say non-binary age or something. Um, it can be incredibly expensive. And if you go there in the manner of um, uh, European business travellers or, or, or bureaucrats, then you can spend an absolute fortune on staying in lovely places, eating fantastic meals. But it is also, and I have tried and tested this, very straightforward to get excellent value. Um, I Last time I flew over there, I think I paid something like 10 quid going out and 30 quid coming back. Uh, that was depths of depths of winter, but those sorts of flights are still available. Luxembourg was about the last country in Europe to embrace uh, low-cost aviation, but now it has. Of course, you then step on the airport bus completely free and go into town. When you get there, well, the youth hostel is actually got the most gorgeous location right down by the river. Uh, fine place to stay for about 30 euros a night. And then there are very good bars and restaurants in the back streets where you just um, have a decent feed and it's absolutely fine. And um, so, uh, yeah, just, you, you know, it's not... It's, it's not scarily expensive like Scandinavia, but it could be if you weren't paying attention. Jolly good. Well, let's move somewhere quite a lot further south from Luxembourg. This stop is QVB, a light for Darling Harbour and Pitt Street Mall. 
Welcome to Melbourne, the southernmost big city in the world, um, which also, I think, has the best tram system. It was started by the Victorians and it's absolutely brilliant. And anywhere in the central area, which, given that this is now pretty much a rival for Sydney in terms of overall size, um, is, is quite substantial. Um, you can travel free on the trams. And you can also hop on a vintage tram that kind of rattles around the centre of the city, um, rather like a kind of overground version of um, what used to be London's Circle Line. It is very quaint and very rewarding and and uh, particularly since the it, it does tend to um rain quite a lot that far south and so therefore if you're watching uh from a, a vintage tram it's a, a fine place to be well if you had one yeah. site to recommend in melbourne uh, yeah. either spied from the vintage tram or something that you could get to um, on foot what would it be Oh, right. Well, again, where to start? There is the most amazing tower, um, which uh, is right by the river. They, they did have, oddly, um, a, a kind of Melbourne eye, which was um, <laughs> a complete failure. They, they put it out in Docklands with exactly nothing to look at, as opposed to the London eye, which is right in the middle of London with loads to look at. Um, but there is something called the Melbourne Sky Deck. And it really is. It's you're about 60 floors high and it is on a sparkling clear day, an absolute joy. You are able to get um, get out and, and feel the, the, the wind in your face and look down on, on the uh, Yarra River and across to the hills. And um, I like to think maybe even into the great Southern Ocean. Uh, so uh, that, that's strongly to be recommended. Well, still on the subject of free travel, I noticed that Spain um, has uh, come up with what looks like a very good offer. Uh, could you tell us um, a bit more about Yes. Okay. You'll recall in the summer that Germany had a wonderful nine euro ticket valid throughout June or July or August on pretty much any train and plus trams, buses, ferry boats and so on. And Spain is picking up where Germany left off in making travel effectively free for several months except on high speed trains and of course same purpose get people back onto the trains after uh, the um, uh, coronavirus pandemic to persuade people to switch uh, from car to train but it's very much aimed at the locals and so you have to do a bit of work it is designed to reward multiple journeys so effectively you are um, either a commuter on a short distance train or a media distancia, um, middle distance train. And for either of those types, it's crikey. You go online, you register at renfe.com. Then you have to pay um, 10 or 20 euros as deposit. That comes with a QR code. If you can make 16 trips before the offer ends on New Year's Eve, then you get that that back. So strings attached then, or as they might say in uh, Spain, con condiciones. <laughs> Terms and conditions definitely apply. Now it's free ferry time. And ferries are odd because 
sometimes they are seen as part of the uh, road network effectively and they are free in others you're going to have to pay and so for instance so when i was cycling down the elbe they've got lots of little ferries nipping across which are great but you've got that's to pay in germany i should too in yes it, it very much in in the old east germany and uh, lovely it is too um in amsterdam though uh you can when you get off your train at at Central Station, there is a kind of gravitational move into the city centre. But if you go the, out the back entrance, uh, then you will suddenly find yourself an array of ferry keys. And these are ferries that sail shuttle really across the um, uh, the Aie River and take you to a really interesting area called Vaterland or Waterland with very few tourists talking of very few tourists well that's what you're going to get when you hop on the um staten island ferry uh it goes from the far south of uh, manhattan uh, just by battery park and it's effectively just a lovely quickish but completely free sightseeing cruise uh there's no point hanging around at all and um the uh idea is you just come straight back but um uh, america being in an enterprising culture the authorities do have to warn you be aware of scammers trying to sell you tickets and not forgetting in london of course who could the marvelous woolwich ferry across the thames but it's not it's not a great um uh, tourist area i'm afraid too true yes. well one of the things most of us like doing when abroad is to pay a visit to a museum many enlightened countries have free entry to museums at certain times and of course um the uk uh, possibly surprisingly and london um, above all lead the way in the number of absolutely wonderful um uh, state owned museums um, which you can go into free, even if you do have to pay for um, the specialist exhibitions that are um, uh, mounted there. Worth adding that uh, the two big cities in Scotland, Glasgow and Edinburgh, have an extraordinary range of free museums too, as does uh, Liverpool. Of course, once you leave these uh, wonderful shores, then things get a little trickier. And actually, in quite a lot of places in the US... If you read the small print, you discover that the price of admission is actually a donation. And some thick-skinned Brits do turn up and effectively say, right, when you come to Britain, you can get into all our museums for free, and I'd like to get into yours for free too. I've never actually tried it. Um, I would rather um, have, a, have a look and find out when these things are free, because in lots of American museums, there's generally late opening one evening, and they make it free then. In Europe, um, there's plenty of that as well. Um, so in Paris, the Musée d'Orsay, first Sunday of each month, that's free as is in Barcelona, the Picasso Museum. And again, uh, all these museums, I mean, the Louvre is uh, free on the 14th of July, uh, uh, which isn't especially uh, generous. But if you can be there, then you'll save yourself 17 euros, which these days is about a thousand pounds, I think. <laughs> well, Madrid's um, great museums, great art museums, the Prado and the Reina Sofia, have a couple of hours when it's free to enter, usually at the end of the day. 
Yes, there's all sorts of options, but unfortunately, increasingly many of them apply only to citizens of the European Union. And you might have noticed, Mick, that we no longer are. But another good reason for if you've got any distant Irish relatives out there and you can get yourself an EU Irish passport that is going to save its weight in gold or something. Yes, and uh, I'd like to give a shout out to Croatia and particularly Zagreb um, as a place to go and see, uh, well, a whole range of uh, splendid museums, uh, a number of which are private, so you tend not to get any uh, any freebies there. But if you leave the city centre on one of its splendid trams, not free, I'm afraid, um, and go across the river, mm -hmm. you can get to the MSU, which is their Museum of uh, Contemporary Arts, with some absolutely splendid and surprising exhibits, including a collection of marginal art, which is um, well worth a look. And um, you can get in there free on the first Wednesday of every month. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm putting, I'm marking that down for all my Wednesdays until I get there. Uh, you might recall, Mick, um, the National Museum of Qatar. Well, earlier this year, I managed to get in for nothing by kind of looking bewildered and I presume uh, poverty stricken. Well, the good news is that if you are going to Qatar for the World Cup, which begins in, well, just uh, four weeks time or so, you will be able to go to the National Museum of Qatar and let's see how many fans actually take advantage of that. They'll also be getting on the match days uh, free public transport. Public transport is almost free anyway, but um, every little helps. And if I remember rightly, there was an exhibit which was commemorating, glorifying the uh, the moment when Qatar was actually awarded the World Cup. Yes, it was a, well, how can I put it? It was a moment in sporting history, but uh, a lovely museum and well worth checking out if you are supporting England, Wales, or indeed any other team. Well, that's enough uh, free stuff for today. Um, in the next podcast, we're going to be going down um, the route followed by um, many, um, I was going to say, more successful podcasts. But I'm going to... Um, uh, I'm going to use uh, Jurgen Klopp's um, line um, uh, um, when moaning about how much <laughs> money uh, Manchester City and uh, Newcastle have to buy good players and say better resourced podcasts. Um, and um, we are going to be looking at some of the true mysteries of travel. If you have any mysteries that are unsolved and you'd like us to investigate further, then of course just get in touch at you should have BT on Twitter or leave us an audio message at anchor.fm forward slash you should have been there. But until that mysterious event, and um, thanks very much indeed for listening. And from me, Simon Calder. And me, Mick Webb, and let me just say Bermuda Triangle, for instance. Goodbye. Mm, goodbye. <laughs>